0: is the study of the Bible, the study of the Word of God, and it's important when you research the Word of God that you understand there are some right ways to do so, and uh, if you're not careful, you can use wrong hermeneutics, and you can come up with something kind of interesting. I heard of a, a guy that, that you, you know, you you could just point at a verse in the Bible and try to live your life by just pointing, but not every verse you point at, if you take it out of context, it might not be uh, the right thing. And so, one of the, the hermeneutic, uh, hermeneutical things you use is what they call the mention uh, of first things. Many times in the Bible, when you see something mentioned first, it carries a lot of weight. And then, especially as you watch that progress through Scripture, you'll find that many times it carries uh, a a progression. For example, the first time you see uh, something die in Scripture was when the Lord had to kill an innocent animal in order to provide Adam and Eve some leather clothes to cover their sin. And so at the very beginning, you see that blood is necessary for the covering of our sin and our shame, and that begins to play out. But uh, there's another one, and that is when you begin to study Egypt in the word of God, there's some very interesting things that begin to happen and we're going to go through some of that. Uh, God called Abraham out of his land and called him into this land of Canaan and, but, but pretty soon you find that Abraham went to Egypt and it wasn't good. You find that Isaac did the same thing. You find that, that uh, Jacob in the midst of a famine He went to Egypt Now he didn't know this But his son that he thought had died Was in Egypt And had God had used him miraculously To provide not only enough food for Egypt During those seven years of famine But enough for those around And and so while it worked out There's still a danger In going back to Egypt In Genesis chapter 21 When Hagar uh, began to look for her son Ishmael A wife She finds him a wife From Egypt and I want to take some of that If you have your Bibles I want to read to you One of the saddest portions of scripture That I, I think I've ever seen I want you to turn to 2 Timothy And uh, we're going to be in, in chapter 4 uh, Some Sometimes there's a, a scripture that just You don't know much about it But man, it holds so much weight And, and it kind of makes you want to know The rest of the story, if you will But Second, or rather, uh, yeah, Second Timothy chapter four, and verse ten. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me, and gone to Thessalonica. And Crescens has gone to Galatia. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. I've I've preached a message it's been oh I don't know six seven years ago about Demas and there's some. Traditions and maybe some history you can glean from that, but it's sad that you would find someone that their their claim to fame in the Word of God was they loved the world more than the things of God. Now it's really easy for us to look at someone and say, "You love the world. You're backslidden. You know, you've you've gone back into all of your sin and you've gone back into all of your uh, debauch lifestyle." But I'd like to tell you that going back. To the world sometimes is far more than just going back to sin and I want to take some time to, uh, to talk about that and in order to do that we need to start in the book of Genesis and I want to invite you to turn with me and, and uh, I've got stuff written all through the pages of this story because you begin to see how, how it all plays out and so if you will I want you to turn to uh, the book of Genesis I believe it's chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. The Lord calls Abraham and says, Go from your country, from your kindred and your father's house into the land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth be blessed. Now later on God God kind of takes that promise and he fleshes it out. Even greater But if you didn't have any more of God's word Than that right there Can I tell you that's a blessing from God Let's read it again And I want you to think about all the things That God is promising Even though it may not be said It may not be enunciated But just look at the fullness of it I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great so that you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. To him who dishonors you, I will curse. And then you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. It was a promise that Abraham had. Abraham leaves with his family. Uh, Lot is with him. They leave Haran and they go. And the Bible says that they go and they set out toward the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan They passed through to the place to Sheshem By the oak of Moreh, And at that time the Canaanites were in the, in the land And the Lord appeared to Abram And said to your offspring I will give this land Abraham builds an altar It's an incredible moment God is with him God is there The Bible says he moved to the hill country East of Bethel He he, uh, pitched his tent with Bethel on the west And Ai on the east He built an altar to the Lord And called upon the name of the Lord Abraham was walking in his promise Canaan's land has always been a tight of, of living for God of, of living in the promises of God That when you walk with God And you do the commandments of God There is a blessing that follows There is a ease of life If I could use that Not saying that life will get easy all the time But uh, I know many of you could echo the testimony It's better living for God Than not living for God But this is what happens That I want to draw your attention to In verse 10 Now there was a famine in the land. The land is Canaan. And sometimes, living for God, we get to the place where a famine comes. We get to the place where life is a little hard, where things aren't quite as easy as they were and as you think they should be. And one of the things this is what I want you to get out, and I don't get from this sermon, and I don't want you to tune out just because you hear it right now. I want you to follow with me through the rest of the sermon, but this is what I want to tell you. When the going gets tough, living for God, when when life puts some speed bumps in your way, when a famine comes, when sickness hits, when loss is felt, when heartache is anticipated, don't Go looking somewhere else when the promises of God have already been given to you. The famine came. Now, I, I know this is early in, in history, if you will. But Abraham ought to have known better. That if God has said, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to give this land to your descendants and I'm going I'm I'm to be with you, then God will be able to carry you when famine happens but Abraham in this time of famine verse 10 goes on to say so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there because the famine was severe in the land he forgot the promise He forgot the hand of God, the provision of God that was there. And it reminds me of another time. It's when you take your eyes off the Lord and you begin to look at what is facing you that you you tend to sink. Everybody remembers the story of Peter walking on the water. Everything was fine as long as he fixed on the Lord. But as soon as he got his eyes off the Lord, he began to sink. Abraham got his eyes off the Lord and he was there in Egypt. We sing a song here, my God is more than enough. He'll supply all your needs. And that song does not only need to be sung on the mountaintop when everything is going good. You need to sing that song in the valley when it's dark and you're walking through the shadow of death. My God is still more than enough. But I want to show you what happens if we're not careful When we get our eyes off Jesus and we go back to Egypt, we go sojourn in Egypt and we find ourselves allowing the world to take care of what God has already said he'd take care of, instantly. In fact, Abraham hasn't even stepped one foot into Egypt, but he was traveling there. He already has his eyes fixed on Egypt. Instantly, he begins to compromise. Up until now, Abraham seems to be a devout man, a man called of God, a man that hears the voice of God, a man that God himself talks to and communes with. But as soon as Abraham gets his eyes off God and gets his eyes on Egypt and the world, he compromises and he starts lying. Hey, Sarah, you're really beautiful. And when we get here into Egypt, Pharaoh's going to see how beautiful you are and and Pharaoh will kill me just so he can get you in his harem. And so why don't you lie and tell everybody you're my sister and that way Pharaoh won't kill me. I'm not Sarah must have been a whole lot different than my wife. <clears throat> my wife would have, well, there would have been a grave right there on the outskirts of Egypt. A little sign, here lies Brandon. It's amazing that as soon as, as, as Abraham says, you know what, I'm going to let Egypt supply my needs, that his morality drops, that his standards drop, that his, his, his view of what God commands drops, and he lies. He said, and, and by the way, something I learned a long, long time ago, Uh, Because actually if you really study the genealogy of Abraham and Sarah Sarah was actually Abraham's half sister But I learned this a long time ago from my dad That a half truth is still a lie And Abraham, he thought he could kind of finagle around it But he was letting Egypt supply But here's what happens, watch this Abraham entered Egypt The Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful and the princes of Pharaoh saw her. They praised her to Pharaoh. The woman was taken into Pharaoh's house and and for her sake he dwelt well with Abraham. And Abraham had sheep and oxen and male donkeys and male servants and female servants and female donkeys and camels. And Abraham could have said and probably did say, See, there's a famine in God's land. I was I had a few trials in God's land, but I came down to Egypt and look at how much I'm blessed. It's amazing how the world is like that. And I've seen so many people. I've seen so many people. I've it's interesting now, and I don't know near enough and 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 sometimes I feel like I'm still uh, just kind of slogging along, but after ten years of pastoring, I've seen a lot of things. Brother Hera, and I know you, you've seen it as well, but I've watched people that have come to me and say, you know what, I, 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 just, I just can't make it. I can't pay my tithes, and, 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 and I don't have enough money to pay my tithes. I've got to pay all the other bills first, and my cable bill, and I've got to do that. And I think if I can get me another job, it'll take me out on, on Wednesdays and Sunday nights, but if I get me another job, everything will be okay. And they start looking towards Egypt. You know what? They're not here today. Because we can get and allow the world to satisfy the the things that God has said, every need I will supply. And we can get and allow Egypt to satisfy that, but the problem is it comes with a price. And I'm firmly convinced because later on in Abraham's life, God begins to lay out Abraham's future and the future of his children. And long before they go down to Pharaoh, long before they go to Egypt, long before Joseph and Jacob live there, God tells Abraham, for over 400 years, your offspring is going to be in bondage in Egypt. And I'm firmly convinced it's because of right here, Abraham let Egypt satisfy his need when God said, all you have to do is ask. I will not leave you. I will not ask you. And it, it, it just, it keeps going It's not the only time that Abraham lied You, you, you see it, Abraham did the exact same thing to Abimelech uh, and, and, and tried to, to get Sarah to lie And over and over, and then his children pick up that same thing And it's because they let Egypt satisfy When the famine came, Abraham went to Egypt He instantly began to compromise And and I would go so far, and I know it's a little bit different society, a male-centric society and different, but if I could, he, he could have absolutely lost his marriage. And you have to think from that day forth, especially when Abraham did it again, you have to think that doubt and distrust and fear began to be bred in that home. And it would happen again, all because Abraham thought he prospered in Egypt when really it became a curse, it became a curse. I want to. I want you to fi- I want to find. Show you another place that this happened. Turn to Jeremiah, chapter forty-two. It's amazing how some things just keep, keep going, uh, uh, keep keep, you know, building on this same principle. They, they get to Egypt, or rather, they're. In Jeremiah, uh, God is is telling them that because of all of their sin, because of all of their problems, because of their idolatry, that he is sending uh, the Assyrians, he's sending Babylon to come and to uh, take them into captivity. But watch what he says in Jeremiah uh, chapter 42 and verse 19. The Lord has said to you, O remnant of Judah, Do not go to Egypt. Know for a certainty that I have warned you this day that you have gone astray at the cost of your lives. For you sent me to the Lord your God, saying, Pray for us, the Lord our God, that whatever the Lord our God says, uh, you declare it unto us and we will do it. And I have this day, this is Jeremiah talking, I have this day declared unto you, but you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God in anything that he sent me to tell you. Therefore, know for a certainty that you shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence in the place. Where you desire to go live So here, here was these Jews And they were facing this, the, the captivity of, of Assyria They were facing the captivity of Babylon They were facing all of these prophetic words Of Isaiah and Jeremiah and the other prophets That were coming to pass And some of them said you know what Let's just leave here and we'll go to Egypt And then God can do whatever he wants to To Judah and Israel and we'll be away from it God said, don't go to Egypt. The world is not your answer. The world is not the place you need to go. What God has delivered you out of, why would you ever want to go back? The Bible says it's like a dog that returns to its vomit. And those of you that have dogs know that that's not just a biblical proverb. It happens all the time. But why would you ever want to go back to something you came out of? In verse 43, you have verse 7, And they came to the land of Egypt, for they did not obey the voice of the Lord. And then I want to show you in, verse, in chapter 44, I want to show you how, how far they had fallen. The Lord begins to talk to them. says in verse 15, Then all the men who knew that their wives had made offerings to other gods. And all the women who stood by, a great assembly, all of the people who lived in Pathros in the land of Egypt, they answered Jeremiah, and this is what they said. As for the word that you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord, we will not listen to you. But we will do everything that we have vowed we will make offerings to the queen of heaven we will pour out drink offerings to her as we did both we and our fathers and our kings and our officials in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem for then we had plenty of food and we prospered and we saw no disaster but since we left off making offerings to the queen of heaven and pouring out our drink offerings to her we have lacked everything and we've been consumed by the sword and the famine I've had some my life they tell me they say you know pastor my life was pretty good and then I, I got into the church and I started letting God change some things and it seemed like life got a little harder and so I think I'll just go back to where it was easy but I began to look over the 430 something years that Israel was in captivity and you know, back there in, in, in Genesis and Exodus and for 430 something years yeah they were in bondage but they had it pretty easy You don't see a lot of struggle. You know where you see struggle? As soon as Moses comes back and looks Pharaoh in the eye and says, God says, let my people go. And whenever someone says, I'm ready to walk out of the world, I'm ready to walk out of the lifestyle I've been, you can better believe that hell is going to throw everything it can at them because it doesn't like them leaving. But I'm telling somebody, don't let that spiritual warfare don't let that that push of the enemy in your life and and it starts looking like the past is so much better And, and even when serving God seems to be counterproductive in our own eyes and in our own economy, I'm here to tell you if you'll serve Him with all of your heart your soul, your mind and your strength you will find that God will never leave you hanging and I, there's, I'm not going to say it for fear. I, not, not that it would embarrass, but not to call anyone out. But there's some people in this building that, that, that you tested God in a good way. You, you said, Lord, I'm going to do this. I don't see how in the world it's going to work out. I don't see how in the world uh, uh, doing the right thing is going to work. But you've come back to me and you said, you know, it's amazing. We did what God asked us. We did what God required. And he began to make a way. That's you not looking at Egypt when the struggle happened. Let God hold you with His hand. Here's what happens, because uh, uh, I could go on and on and on about uh, the, the, the story of the Exodus and the 40 years of wandering. But here's what they wanted after that deliverance. I know I'm kind of jumping around a little bit. But when Egypt finally let those Israelites go, now they're, they're up against the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army's coming behind them. And and they've they've already forgotten the ten plagues, which which to the Israelite or, or to the Egyptians were ten plagues, but to the Israelites they ought to have been ten miracles, ten ways that God showed His power in a mighty way. But first off, fear came. Like I said, Egypt. They were slaves But if they did their jobs They kind of knew they were going to be okay And they knew what to expect And for a long time As long as you did what Pharaoh wanted He didn't kill you But now that they've been released Now that salvation has come He's in hot pursuit And he's ready to put him to death He's ready to kill them. And And here's the first thing that they desired of Egypt They desired the so-called safety of Egypt If I could just go back into bondage At least it's Safe Sometimes For us believers That old enemy knows How to shake Our security And when he shakes our security We get our thinking All out of whack And we long Even if it was bondage We think it's secure Some of you Whether it's been you Or whether you have loved ones It's amazing That there are so many People who have been Incarcerated that when they get out They long for the safety of that incarceration And I've, I've watched people That, that will, will deliberately Sabotage themselves So that they can go back to jail Because at least in jail They thought they were safe Now to you and I We would laugh, we would scoff We would say are they crazy And that doesn't make any sense But we do it all the time in our spiritual lives We long for the the seeming security of the life of bondage that we had living for the devil. After the Lord saved them and got them through the Red Sea, you'd think they'd have learned their lesson and said, you know what, if God can make the Red Sea part and us walk across on dry land and then pour the water back over the Egyptians, we ought to be good. But, but then they, they no longer necessarily desired the safety of Egypt, but then they started desiring the supplies of Egypt. I mean, yeah, you were having to build bricks and build buildings and, and cities for Pharaoh, but at least you had water to drink. Now we're out in the desert, and, and I don't know if we're going to ever get, get any water, and we're going to die, and God's just brought us out here to die, and Moses, you brought us out here to die, and they begin to look back at Egypt, and they begin to look for the supplies of Egypt. See, this is, this is the difference And living for God or living your life in the world. Living for God requires faith. When those Israelites began to march in that wilderness, they had to live their life by faith, trusting God that whatever we need at the moment, you will come God's not going to leave them out there What, what would it profit God To bring out uh, uh, the Israelites out of Egypt And then let 3 million some odd people Die in the middle of the wilderness and God says I'm not going to do that But the world's way is You don't need to wait You can do whatever you need to right there If you got to lie, you got to chill, uh, steal You got to cheat your way Whatever it is God, say, God says wait on me The world says just take Do whatever you need Israel's problem, it was that impatience It was that ingratitude They wanted to return to Egypt Where they could at least count On their meals and There's a lot of people in life Maybe it's not the safety of the world Maybe it's not the safety of Egypt That pulls you But it absolutely could be That they, you feel The pull of the world When you're unable to trust the Lord To meet Your needs Another one that that I hope none of you are 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 in it, but perhaps is when they left Egypt, you find that they began not only to desire the safety, not only did they desire the supplies, but they started desiring the the, the spirits of Egypt. One of the first things they do is they build a golden calf, and regardless of what Aaron said, they were they they were basically just going back to worshiping the gods of Egypt they desired the things that they worshiped when they were slaves now, i don't know that any of you have knelt down before a golden idol or a silver idol lately i don't i don't think that's probably happened but there's quite a few other things that we can worship we can worship money we can worship attention we can worship possessions it's amazing sometimes how we get into the presence of God And God begins to, to walk us through But those gods of the world begin to reach out and They begin to pull us back into that grip And then the fourth thing that they desired of Egypt Was the stability If you read the Bible, different translation says it differently But they, they begin to complain about the way The way they were going This way is long, this way is arduous this way is hard, it's too tough it's too difficult, I long for the day of Egypt where I knew what I was going to do, get up, make bricks go to sleep, get up, make bricks, go to sleep, it would have been nice to just live that life of drudgery, that life of slavery but I just don't like the way God you're leading me maybe David was on to something here, here's the path of the righteous. You ready? Some days I walk through green pastures. Some days I walk by the still waters. But other days, the green pastures are a bit farther apart. And other days the water is swift and treacherous. And it takes me a long time to find a place to drink. And sometimes I, the rod comforts me and sometimes the staff comforts me. Sometimes I have to walk through the valleys of the shadow of death. Sometimes I fear evil and God has to remind me. But here's the point. It's where God leads. When you lose sight of the shepherd, then fear begins to creep in. And, and, and you, you you begin to wonder, uh, am, I gonna, am I ever going to get out of this? But as long as I see the shepherd, I know he's walking through the same place I'm walking through. If the sheep are thirsty and they're following the shepherd, you have to understand the shepherd is thirsty, if you will. He's walking in that same path, but he knows more than I know. And he knows right around the bend, there's a spring of water that this sheep didn't know about him and and I don't ever want to get caught up in desiring the stability of this world when a God has called me to live a life of faith, where he leads, I'll follow. Where he takes me, I'll follow. where he brings me, I'll follow let me let me give you a few verses and I hope you have your Bibles because I want you to I want you to uh, To follow along with me I want you to turn to And we're going to jump around just a little bit But I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 3 And verse 5 If you've got your Bible These are verses you ought to underline, circle You ought to write big old words around them Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 You probably know it already And those of you that that study the Bible, you know exactly where I'm going, but here's what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge Him and my English Standard Version says He will make straight your path. Don't lean on the world Don't lean on the life you used to live Don't lean on the understanding you used to have But you are with God And in all of your ways acknowledge Him And He shall direct your path John chapter 14 and verse 6 He says this I am the way The truth and the life Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 Be not conformed this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that being conformed is allowing the world to mold you and shape you and allowing Egypt to keep gripping you and 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 keep molding you in the in in, in Egypt's view but now I get a different mindset my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness Philippians chapter 3 verse 13 and 14 Begins to tell us and I'm going to paraphrase It says that we ought to reach forward While forgetting those things which are behind us I, forget, I I want to forget Egypt I want to forget that life I want to forget that Regardless of the onions and the garlics And the watermelons and the leeks And whatever they desired there And you can read it in the Bible Whatever they desired there in Egypt It may have been good but it's not God good my God supplies my needs far greater than that 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 says we walk by faith and not by sight that's a hard one to to follow I see it with, with you, you see it with Zeke and, and little babies you ever just tried to Tell tell a young child, you know, just just you can do it. But they can't see what you see. They're trying to go down the stairs and they can't quite figure out exactly where it's at. And you're right there to help them, and they don't see it. I've heard it said that there's some animals in the zoo, and Paulas, I believe, are one of them. That even though they can jump incredible distances, and they can. And i I watched a video of safari in Africa. And impalas were, were literally in one bound, they could cross four lanes of, 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 a, of a road, just like, like crossing, you know, Brian Road almost in one or two hops and they're there. But if you go, if you go a lot of times to the zoos, they, they have not very high fences per se, but they've said that the problem with the impala is it has to see where it lands. And so, if they can block its view of what's on the other side, even though physically and 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 capably he could jump over that, because he can't see where he he's going to land, he will never jump. Sometimes in life, it, it, it's true the same way. Sometimes I don't know where God's going to let me land, but I got to trust him. I got to trust him. I want to I want to leave you with one. Thought. We've been talking a lot about don't go back But I want to leave you with one thought If you got your Bibles, Exodus chapter 13 Is where we're going to pull from Exodus chapter 13 it's, it's pretty amazing as you begin to look at, at What began to happen They left Egypt with a shout of praise go go, go look at Miriam and Moses' song when they cross over the Red Sea when they left Egypt they were rejoicing tambourines were playing voices were lifted up but somewhere they lost their praise they lost that excitement of that deliverance and with that loss of praise they started fearing and they started grumbling And I've noticed in my life, whenever I lose my praise, whenever I lose that excitement that God has brought me so far out of that miry, mucky clay, I start realizing fear creeps in. Doubt creeps in. Grumbling, bitterness, and cynicism creeps in. But Exodus chapter 13 wrote that wrong. I don't know what verse I'm trying to pull from. But there's a verse somewhere in Exodus. <laughs> Some of you that have a have a, a phone, you can look it up, you know, a concordance, but it tells them that that they were they were there in the wilderness and it says I'm ready for it's time to time to, to get ready and it uses this phrase it's time to get the 10 in order and we're going to go forward we're going to go forward I don't know where that is y'all have to find that out you can put it on the Light, Lighthouse Facebook page and let everybody know where the, the verse pastor was trying to get to what is it alright let's look there Exodus chapter 14 I, I was only off one number for each one of those <laughs> Exit, exit there it is exodus chapter 14 15 thank you brother brian and the lord said to moses why do you cry to me tell the people of israel to go forward go forward now i don't i, I, I you, you know I, I don't speak greek i don't speak hebrew I, I don't i don't have that knowledge yet you can ask brother uh i don't see brother jared but uh brother jared in in in, in Urshan. he's taking a uh an introduction, to, I think, to biblical Greek, so you can begin to start talking to him. He's going to get some some insight in there. But this this portion of scripture was written in Hebrew, and that the the words that make up what we translate to say "go forward," one of the one of the translation of the Hebrew word is to pull up the tent pegs and get ready. When you kind of put those two together, pull up the tent pegs and go forward what it means is don't camp here this isn't where God wanted you to stay this isn't where God says you know, you know be at God has a plan God has a promise for your life and in your life you've got to be willing to pull up the tent stakes and say where you lead me I will follow and Lord even when the way grows dark and I stumble and I, I can't see clearly, and and when doubt assails and fear assails and, and and when when sickness comes and basically life happens, I'm gonna hold on to that hand and say, God, I don't know the answer. But I know who is the answer. My my, my daddy had a, an interesting saying, because when I Took trips with them. We didn't have GPS. We didn't even have a phone that would tell us where we're going. You had a map. How many of you know what a map is? Some of you have never even seen a map. My wife and I evangelized and we traveled all over the United States. I had a Rand McNally map, and that's, that's what you had to go by. You had to open it up, figure out where you're going, and if you missed where you needed to turn, there was no little voice going, Turn around, turn around, turn around. Rerouting, rerouting. No, you just went two hours out of your way and finally realized I'm going the wrong way. And I mean, Sister Buford went two hours out of the way and turned around and came back. Where was I going with that? Oh, my dad. (laughs) And of course, you know, back then, you know, seatbelts weren't invented and you didn't have to wear seat belts, and I could lay the, the cars were big enough, I could lay on that back dash, you know, underneath that and cook uh, in the heat. But I remember saying, Dad, are we gonna get there? And this is what my dad, you, you think I have some sayings, Zane, that you don't like. But this is what my dad said all the time. If you don't jump out of the car, you'll get there. Are we there yet? When are we gonna get there? Don't jump out of the car. Stay in the car. You'll get there. Hey, God, is this trial ever going to be over? Is this sickness ever going to, am I ever going to find the end of it? Is the heart hurt and the pain and the grief and the mourning, is it it ever going to end? Am I ever going to get through it? I wonder if God says, just stay in the car. Because if you'll stick with me, if you'll just keep moving forward, don't don't, don't put your tent stakes down in the midst of a crisis. Don't pitch a tent in the midst of the pain. Don't, don't, Don't camp out in Egypt when God has called you to Canaan's land. Just stay. Hold my hand and I'll walk you through it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. I'm here to tell somebody today, don't go to Egypt. Not even talking about the sin of Egypt just don't let the world satisfy the need when God says and I shall supply all your needs according to my riches and glory would you stand today would you stand today I'm asking for you to exercise your faith exercise your faith don't look back interesting that of all of the people the Lord is very specific when he says remember Lot's wife in Luke chapter 17. Remember Lot's wife. Someone said of Lot's wife she ran in a rut lived in a strain and died in a twist. All because she was looking back to her Egypt. I know it was Sodom but it was her Egypt. And it killed her. That's why Jesus counseled us remember Lot's wife. The pull of Egypt, in fact, as I was studying for this, I came across a sermon entitled The Strange Pull of Egypt. That strange pull of Egypt in your life will never be easy. But there's two things there's two things that will guarantee that that pull will not get any stronger. You listening? The first thing is, trust God. Trust God. And the second thing is, go as far away from Egypt as you can. Move forward. Move forward forward move forward don't hang out close to your past don't hang out close to 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 the life you used to be before Jesus saved you move forward and the more distance you get between you and Egypt the more trust you put in the hands of God the more Egypt begins to become a distant memory and I begin to look forward to Canaan's land Canaan's land and his trust I wonder if you could close your eyes for just a moment For only God knows what the Egypt in your life is. Only God knows exactly what Paul is. Is it the stability? Is it the security? Is it the spirits? Is it the wealth? I don't know. But I'm asking you right now to trust God and to pull those tent stakes up and to move forward. Would you let him speak to you in Jesus' name?